Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, this is Miranda Wright, and this is day 39 of our 120-day Upper Room prayer campaign. Today we're going to weep between the porch and the altar as we learn the importance of travailing prayer. There are times in our life where we seem so busy and distracted that we can't seem to press in and press through, and then there are those moments of desperation where we seem to instantly break through. And I've come to find that in these times of my life, the desperation of the situation causes activation. It's an activation of faith because that we know there is nothing else that can help. We see an example of this in Second Kings chapter 18 in the story of the Assyrian siege upon Judah. The Assyrian king had overthrown many cities and cultures, even the northern region of Israel, because that the king of the northern region had put his trust in Egypt making an allegiance with Egypt and that he might use the chariots and horses of Egypt. But because that his faith was in Egypt and in the chariots and horses of Egypt, did he forfeit his faith in the Lord, and the Lord could not rush in to defend him when the enemy rose up against, so that the northern kingdom fell to the Assyrian. And after all of the cultures and the cities and the regions around, including Egypt, had been overtaken by this Assyrian king, He sent his messengers into the southern region of Israel to come before the king of Judah, who at this time was Hezekiah. Hezekiah was recorded in scripture as being a very righteous king. In fact, aside from David, he is commonly considered to be the most righteous of all Israel's kings. Under his reign, there was great religious reformation and that all the compromise and idols and detestable things that defiled the temple and Israel and the people of God were cast out. And he caused the people to know, to hear, to read and to believe the scriptures again so that God was with him. So when the king of Assyria sent his messengers to King Hezekiah with great swelling words and blasphemies against our God, Hezekiah stood strong and and said, No, it will not be so. We will not be overthrown. We will trust in the Lord our God. And there was some correspondence back and forth in which the messengers of the Assyrians blasphemed and threatened and bullied and bluffed, who assured the king, the watchman on the wall, and all the people of Israel that they would be foolish to trust in the words of Hezekiah, that it had not been done before, and what would make this time so different, because that they had overthrown every other city, culture, and religion that they had come into contact with. They were unstoppable. They were unbeatable. And the only choice they had was to compromise and join them, pay tribute to them. And then they would be spared, accepted, and assimilated into their culture, their gods, and their religion. But they would be safe. But the king of Judah, Hezekiah, he stood his ground. And he put on sackcloth and ashes and went into the house of the Lord and cried out in travailing prayer. A prayer of desperation for the remnant of God's people because you see that because he had endorsed the reading of the word and people were walking in agreement and righteousness to it this was the last stronghold of the truth of the God of Israel this was the remnant this was the true church this was the bride and so he cried for the bride he cried out in travailing desperation and lifted up a prayer 
to the Lord God Almighty and said, God, they have spoken great blasphemies against you. You are the God of all things. You are true. We trust you. We have put our faith in you. We have stood on your word. If you allow them to overtake this city, the remnant will be destroyed. So we are crying out, God, have mercy. Come and walk in the midst and fight for your bride once again. And in chapter 19, verse 3, as part of Hezekiah's cry, he said about the remnant of Israel, he said, This day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and of blasphemy, for the children have come to the birth, and there is not strength to bring forth. Hezekiah was weeping because that the people did not have the strength left to even fight. And then he cried that the Lord might hear the blasphemous words that the enemy had spoken against him and against his word and against his remnant and the pride and the pomp and the arrogance of the claims that God could not do what he had promised to do. And he prayed that God might reprove these words. Wherefore he said, lift up thy prayer for the remnant that is left. So then God sends word back to Hezekiah through the prophet that God has heard his prayer. And around verse 20 in chapter 19, we're given some great revelation and that the truth of the matter is brought forth that while this enemy is professing how this has never worked for anyone else, they've all been overrun and overtaken. None of their gods ever stood in their defense, not even the northern kingdom. But to this, Hezekiah replies that this is a whole new fight. Because you see, all of those other kingdoms, including the northern kingdom, were not in right standing with God. They were not righteous. They were not holy. They were not in agreement with his word. They did not have faith in him and him alone. They were not faithful. They were not the remnant. They were not his true bride. But this people was. And so that made the fight all the difference because that they, because that they were under the covering or protection of their husbandmen. And when the bride cried, God heard, and he sent back word to the messengers of the Assyrian king and said, Who do you think you reproach and blaspheme? Against whom do you exalt your own voice? Lift up your eyes on high, for it is against even the Holy One of Israel. This, my friend, is a whole new fight. This is not the battles you've won before. This is a whole new fight. So I would say today, my friend, for those who have been with us, going through the words of the scriptures, praying those prayers in agreement with them, becoming the very bride of Christ. When the enemy rises up against you like a flood and starts to speak forth those lies and say, I've defeated all the other foes before you, what makes you think you're different than all the others that you've seen fall around you? We can stand with all assurity and, and we can say, who is it that you think you are reproaching? And who exactly do you think you are exalting your voice and your words against? Because when you speak against the true bride of Christ, you speak against the very Holy One of Israel, and you have just entered a whole new fight. The enemy is quite arrogant and quite prideful because that he's won so many battles because so many have been so compromised and unfaithful that they've been easy to overcome. 
But I tell you, my friend, that when there is a true, pure, and spotless bride that cries out in travailing prayer to her bridegroom, he will hear and he will come and the enemy will tremble in fear because this is not a fight that he's accustomed to because that it has become so rare and that's a shame. But this, my friend, changes the game. It's a whole new fight. Because you see at this point, as Hezekiah and the remnant stayed within the walls and prayed unto the Lord, the Lord God Almighty sent an angel of the Lord into the enemy's camp as they even slept and slew the lot of them. So that when the leaders awoke, they found that everyone was but dead corpses around them. The fight had already been won and they didn't even realize it was being fought. They were preparing for a physical attack but they were taken out in spiritual warfare so that the king turned and went back home in shame and in defeat. And while worshiping at the feet of his pagan false demonic God, those of his own household came in and cut him down all because Hezekiah stood his ground. There is power in the cry of the bride. The Bible says that when the righteous cry out, the Lord heareth from his holy habitation and comes down. When the righteous cry out, this is why the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. What was the difference between the king of northern Israel and the king of southern Israel? The king of northern Israel was not a righteous man. He was not in right standing because that he put his trust in the tools of the land and made allegiances with Egypt because he trusted in his chariots. But the king of the the southern region he had faith in the Lord God Almighty because he knew the word of God and he had come into agreement with the word of God and he had taught it to those around him that they were walking in right standing with the word of God that they were righteous therefore their prayers could avail much there is power in the cry of the bride and my friend I truly believe that we are in a time when God is ready to step down with the power of his kingdom he is ready to come forth with a holy visitation. But there's one thing that he's waiting for. He's waiting to hear the cry, the voice of the bride crying to the bridegroom, come. To be in desperation for the state of the nations. To be broken. To be sorrowful. Yes, we have to point out and understand God's disdain for sin and idolatry and compromise but then we've got to have that heart that breaks and travails and prays for them because you see my friend it is Jesus's place to intercede for us because the Bible says that he ever maketh intercession for the saints but it is our place to pray for the lost because the Bible says that we should before doing anything else make intercessions for all men therefore does Jesus pray for us but we are to pray for the lost and he will hear our prayers and come down when we become desperate enough to cry out in the book of Joel chapter 2 verse 15 it, it says blow the trumpet in Zion sanctify a fast call a solemn assembly gather the people sanctify the congregation this is what Hezekiah did he sanctified the people by the word the washing of the water of the word Jesus asked God to sanctify the people by his word it is the word of God that is our sanctification this is why Hezekiah had a congregation that was sanctified 
bride and considered to be the bride and among the remnant that God would step in and defend them when they cried. Sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth out of his chamber. When the congregation is sanctified and the bride cries, the bridegroom steps out of his chamber. And the bride out of her closet, that prayer closet, let the priest and the ministers of the Lord weep, weep, weep between the porch and the altar. And let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them. This was Hezekiah's prayer, and this is to be the prayer of the bride, of the church, of the bride of Christ. This is the cry of the bride, Lord, spare thy people and give not thy heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them wherefore should they say among the people where is thy God to blaspheme and mock like the messengers of the Assyrian king did O God let not your name be mocked move to prove your majesty Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Yea, the Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send corn and wine and oil, and ye shall be satisfied therein, and I will no more make you a reproach among the heathen. He's looking for a bride who will be sanctified and made white, and then will cry for those who are not, because someone has to stand and represent truth in the land. And when they do, God himself will defend because he hears the cry of the bride. My friend, I know that I have taught some hard lessons because hearts need to be pricked and the word of truth needs to come through with all sincerity and understanding of the severity of what the church has come to. But when we realize that, the response needs to be travail, broken, weeping, prayer for the lost, for the deceived, for the seduced bride, for those led away by the devil's lies. Because when the bride cries, the bridegroom comes out of his chamber. And I am telling you, my friend, the king is coming and many are going to miss their time of visitation. And this should make our heart break. We read in Luke chapter 19, verse 41, as Jesus approached Jerusalem, it says, And when he came near, he beheld the city and wept over it. Jesus knew that he was going to be crucified. He knew that these people were wicked and vile and jealous of him and that they were going to kill him. And yet as soon as he saw it, he wept for it. He wept, saying, If thou had known, even thou, at least in this day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hidden from thine eyes. He was speaking forth to Jerusalem, 
to his church, to his bride and saying, if you only knew what I have for you, if you only knew what has been made available, if you would just believe me, trust me and truly receive me, if you would love me enough to obey my commandments, if you would read the word and believe, if you would seek me to know that this is the time of your visitation. For the days shall come upon thee, that thine eyes shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round. But because you are rejecting me, because you are so distracted, because you are jealous of me, because you are moving under your own leading and logic and understanding, trial and hardship and trauma is coming against you. The enemy is rising up against you with all fierceness and wrath and you are standing there completely unprotected outside of the covering, outside of the marriage covenant, outside of the hoopah. If you only could see what I see, I am willing to stand for you, but you are not willing to stand with me. For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemy shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knowest not the time of thy visitation. Jesus was weeping because he knew that they were walking headlong into judgment because that they did not realize that this was the time of visitation that the very king of glory himself had walked in to offer his protection to give them a way of escape but they rejected it because they had no faith they claimed his name but they had no faith in what he had to say and for this he wept for those who were outside of the protection of being the true bride the Spirit speaks forth to pierce the heart, to shake you and wake you and save you by fear. But once you come to that realization and repent and step in and become washed and white again, then the bride needs to cry because he will move for his bride. It's time that the church start weeping between the porch and the altar for the lost, the deceived, the destitute, those who are facing sure judgment. Because the days are dark, my friend, and they are getting darker and the armies of hell are rising up. You see that army that came with the Assyrians, they were comprised of Chaldeans, which through scripture represented demons. It represents a dark army of demonic forces that are rising up in the land and they will overrun everything. And the only ones who will have the seal of protection are those who have cried out between the porch and the altar against the abominations of the land and in agreement with the word of God. The few, the faithful, the remnant, the bride that abides and cries for those who don't. In Luke chapter 13, 34, we see Jesus weeping over Jerusalem again when he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killeth the prophets and stoneth them that are sent unto thee. 
How oft would I have gathered thy children as a hen that gathereth her brood under her wings, and ye would not. How oft does God send the truth, the word of the living God, because he is trying to protect us. He wants us to step into the truth, to step into right standing, to step into protection like chicks coming in under the wing of the mother hen who protects them from that fowl of the air, the prince of the powers of the air. The attacks of the enemy. There is protection in the father's house. There is protection in the marriage covenant. There is protection under the hoopah. There is protection in being in right standing with God. And Christ was crying out because that Jerusalem, his church, Instead of receiving his words and having faith in them and agreeing with them and living them and believing them and preaching them and being them. Instead, they crucified those who brought them. They turned against the very people who were trying to save them, who were offering them the way of escape. My friend, the Bible says that God destroyed the entire old world and saved only eight people. Noah, a preacher of righteousness. What was his ticket onto the ark? He preached righteousness. He believed the words of God. He got in right standing with them. He lived them and he preached them. The Bible says that God saved Noah, the eighth man, a preacher of righteousness. The bride is holy, white, pure, and protected. And our hearts should break for all those who have rejected the truth and the way of escape. Because God's heart breaks for what he knows is coming. Psalms 126.5 says, They that sow in tears reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth beareth precious seed and shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Sheaves are tools of harvest. If the bride will cry, the king will reply. Sow in tears, and you will reap in joy. There is a harvest coming. Will you cry to bring it forth? Because Hezekiah's prayer was, O oh Lord, the time has come, and the people don't have the strength to bring forth. He knew he was standing in a Kairos moment. He knew that it demanded a response. He knew that the time was right now. If the people would cry out, then God would hear. But he was so worried because he knew they were so weary. My friend, you've got to give it one last push to bring this thing to birth. You've got to be willing to cry out, Oh God, let not your name be shamed in this earth. Show the heathen who you are. God, make yourself real to the people again. Let it be our cry and travail that they be given an opportunity to know the truth. God, my prayer for decades has been make yourself real to the people again. Let them know the truth. Provide an opportunity for one last wave of truth before your judgment falls on this earth. 
because God we know the time is short it is so short and things are gonna change but people don't realize it and as you stood in front of Jerusalem seeing what was coming and weeped for them saying you don't know what I see if you would only believe I am giving you the way of escape trust me but still they reject it and went about their way their normal day because your word says that when the end comes so shall it be like it was in the days of Noah that until the very moment that Noah entered the ark and it began to rain the people were marrying and partying and celebrating and thinking nothing would ever change but in a moment in an instant it was too late and the door was shut and judgment was poured out I rebuke that spirit of doubt and I pray for the desperation of the situation to cause activation in the hearts, souls, and minds of the people that they would get on their knees and cry out, God have mercy, come down and defend your remnant. Paul wept for the deceived bride, for the lost, for those who had been led astray continuously in Philippians 3, 18. It says, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. In other words, what they want, what they desire and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. This was the problem with the king of the northern region of Israel. He mined earthly things and so he missed the time of visitation. He missed the opportunity for God to use him to show forth his glory. But Hezekiah didn't because that he had more faith in the chariots of Egypt and so aligned himself with the enemy. But Hezekiah didn't. Hezekiah had faith. Hezekiah stood. Hezekiah became the demonstration that a nation and a generation so desperately needed. Yes, the enemy will rise against us. Yes, people will scorn and mock us. Yes, some people will pay the ultimate price even with their very life. But my friend, it's time to count the cost. And no matter what comes, we've still got to pray for the loss. In Psalms 35, 11, David said this, False witnesses did rise up. They laid to my charge things that I knew not. They rewarded me evil for good to the spoiling of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothes was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting and my prayer returned unto my own bosom. I behaved myself as though he had been my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one that mourneth for his mother. David was praying in grieving, weeping, travailing prayer for his enemies. For those who had lied and slandered him, he wept for them. He was broken for them. He fasted for them. When is the last time you prayed and fast and weeped for an enemy as though they were your friend? When is the last time you mourned for someone who scorned you as one who mourns for his own mother? My friends, I have to tell you, there comes a time for whips in the temple. Yes, Jesus stood firm against the false. He was overwhelmed with a zeal and a righteous indignation for that which blasphemed and marginalized the king of kings. 
and he took that whip and, and he went into the tabernacle and he flipped tables and he threw the money changers out and he threw the loveless sacrifices out. And he threw the merchandisers out of the church that had turned the house of prayer into a business and said, my father's house will be called a house of prayer where the bride will come and weep between the porch and the altar for the lost, the deceived, the dying and the damned. It will not be a business. This is not my bride, this horrible compromise. This selfish, self-seeking, self-serving, twisting of the truth, selling men's souls to hell for profit. Yes, he had to take out the whip to get their attention and show God's disdain for it. But let me tell you something, my friend, he wept before he whipped because the very passage that I read you earlier when he was approaching Jerusalem and he began to weep over it and say, if you could only see what I see, what is coming on you for what you are doing. And he wept immediately after he went into the temple with the whip. Therefore, did he weep before he whipped? So my friend, God will never send the word of the Lord in rebuke, correction, or staunch direction to crack a whip through the mouth of a person who has not first wept. Because though God brings judgment and correction, he is still a God of love. And though Jesus did whip, he wept harder than he whipped. And I know that for a fact because his whip never drew blood, but his weeping did. Because in Luke twenty-two forty-four it says, And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. His whip never drew blood, but his weeping did. Are you sharing in the burdens of Christ? Are you sharing in the sufferings of Christ? Are you weeping for a deceived and seduced bride? It's time to get desperate, church. It's time to get a revelation of the destination and know that judgment is at hand. That all men will stand before the great white throne one day. And we will have to give an account for every word that we said and everything that we prayed. And everything that we didn't. How much have we weeped and wailed? How desperate are we for him? Because you see the Pharisees missed him. They missed the time of visitation. Jesus said that all of these things, these judgments, these attacks, these overrunnings of the enemy were coming upon this people. We're coming upon Jerusalem. We're coming upon the church because they missed their time of visitation because they rejected him when he stood right before him. They wouldn't humble themselves and seek his face, repent and turn away from their wicked ways and their vain imaginations. Come into agreement with the word of God by faith and believe it. So they missed their way of escape. The Pharisees missed it because they weren't desperate for it. They didn't see what he saw. They didn't know that judgment was at the door. They didn't know what the enemy was going to do to them when they trusted in it more than the Lord. They couldn't see because they had no need because they were not desperate. It's time that the bride becomes desperate for purity, for truth. For the name and reputation of her bridegroom. 
Because a desperate man will cry and it doesn't matter who hears him. When Jesus walked into the room and that blind man sat there and he heard the commotion and he had heard these things about Jesus and he asked what was going on and they said, Jesus is here. He began to cry. He began to scream and wail and weep and cry out above the crowd, Oh Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd tried to silence him. And the Pharisees tried to silence him. They told him to shut up. But the word of God literally says that he cried all the louder because he was desperate. Church, there is a cry that is going to come forth out of desperation if you will not cry now in the time of visitation. Oh God, do not pass us by. I am willing to cry. I am willing to weep between the porch and the altar. I am willing to travail. God, do not pass us by. Let us not miss our time of visitation. We need an outpouring. We need an awakening. We need hope and truth in this generation. We need salvation for this nation. Because if we miss this time of visitation, if we do not step into this moment while the window is open, it will be too late and we will be found in the same place that Jerusalem was when they missed you. You have given the opportunity and we have to cry out for you. We have to see what you see and have faith to believe and be desperate enough to get down on our knees and cry out, God, don't pass me by. The blind man could see what the Pharisees couldn't see because he was desperate. He had a need. He cried to the king. And we have become the church of Laodicea that is prideful, rich, in need of nothing, not even our king. And his heart breaks. Are you willing to share in his suffering? Are you willing to bear one another's burdens and cry out for a people deceived that are marching headlong into the armies of the enemy? With no protection. They don't even know it. Many think they have it. Because they've been lied to. God send your truth. God we cry out against that Assyrian king. And all the demonic armies of the Chaldeans. That are masking. Even now. At the gate. Just as they did around the walls of Jerusalem. And God we will call on no man. We will call on no tool. We will call on you because you are our only hope. God, let not your name be made a reproach. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.